It's That Stack of Books. I'm Steve Scher. I'm Nancy Pearl. We're here with a, a small room full of folks, Robin Lindley, Betsy Lindley, Laura Corvey, Katie Sewell, Judy Ostro. We are uh, back at the Bryan Corner Cafe. It's very quiet today, so people must be back in school, I guess, huh? Yes, and the sun is shining, even though it's a little chilly. It's so nice to be here. Nancy, you've been thinking about first novels. Why? Well, I think about first novels a lot because, I, and I find that I'm drawn to them. I'm drawn to at least trying for, you know, all the first lo- novels that pass my, uh, come into my gaze. I, I, I try because there's something so, when a first novel is wonderful, there's something so exciting about being right at the beginning of a writer's career. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben Fountain's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk was a first novel. He had done a collection of short stories before that. And here was this really nearly perfect novel, uh, in my opinion, um, that, that came out. And it's, it's that kind of, you know, what an author can do with subject matter that has been frequently dealt with before in some way. I just think that's so exciting. All right, so what was it about that novel that was oh. new and different? Oh, the Billy, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Well, that is, isn't even one that I, you know, <laughs> thought we would talk about because it's now several years old. But I think what was so new about it was it was a view of um, the Iraq War as it was going on from the point of view of a young soldier who is, um, he and his he and his platoon are sent back for kind of a victory tour in the United States. And the book is set in, it takes place in one day, Thanksgiving Day at Dallas Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys are playing football. And there they are, and their life there at that moment compared to what they went through in the past at, at, while they were fighting in country is just pretty, pretty amazing. You were thinking about some, have you come yeah. across some new first novels? Yeah, I, I have, um, and I'm so excited that the first, uh, the first month of this year is just, uh, has brought me two first novels that I thoroughly enjoyed. And the first one is uh, by a Spokane writer, um, S.M. Hulse, H-U-L-S-E, called Black River, and it's mainly set, takes place mainly in Montana, and of course I am partial. As people who have heard me talk over the many years that you and I have been talking, Steve, I'm very partial to Montana novels, whether they're set in Montana or the authors are from Montana. Um, But this is the story of uh, a man who is trying to come to terms with his past and and the people who were in his past and it's it's um, wonderfully written it's very it's very interesting uh yeah why are you partial to montana you like the landscape i just i don't know i just when i started like making a list of books that i loved when i was writing book lust so many of the ones that rose to the absolute top turned out to be by Montana writers, and that sky. I mean, it's very hard to uh, to not be like, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say blown away by that sky. So it may be Montana. Montana's just producing or attracting some great writers. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I believe so. 
So what was the, and then what was the other first novel? So the other first novel is by a, a Canadian, and Canadian authors are another group of people that I generally enjoy, um, by Emma Hooper, and it's called Etta and Otto and Russell and James. And it's um, about, it's set in the prairies of Saskatchewan, which is where the author is from. And you don't get, we don't get a lot of books set in Saskatchewan, in the prairies of Saskatchewan, but it's about an elderly woman who decides that her husband, uh, when he was in World War I, saw the sea. He had seen things outside of Saskatchewan, and she decides that she is going to walk to the sea. And she has a choice between going east or west, and she decides to go east. And, and those two characters are Etta and Otto. Russell is Otto's best friend from when, and really foster brother from when they were little boys, uh, lives on the adjoining farm, and the relationship among Etta and Otto and Russell is is just very interesting. James, I can't tell you who James is. Uh, you have to find out for yourself who James is, um, which is just a delight to find out who James is. There's a little bit of, the book goes back and forth between the present and the past, and also the other thing it does is there's a more than a tinge of what we, what most people call magic realism, what I call elastic <coughs> realism, um, uh, and it's um, I, I you know I think um, people who enjoyed perhaps Major Pettigrew's Last Stand, which was a novel that came out a few years ago, um, will really love this book. So what's unique about this new author and this new book? What's the new perspective? Well, I think the new perspective is that, on the surface, it's a very realistic novel. Okay, I mean, it doesn't mince, it doesn't make it seem like it's easier than it would be to walk from Saskatchewan to Ontario, for example. But um, at the same time, she is she is stretching the definition of reality enough so that you kind of wonder. And then, of course, there's that same thing of looking back at, the, at, at their own past, at, Ella, at Etta's past, at Otto's past, at Russell's past, um, which I think is frequently not handled as well, but is just, is just wonderful. When you say first novel, first novelist, you are, and they were wonderful, you are sort of by by definition implying that, well, maybe their second one may not be or was not as good. Well, when, when, now the, I believe that Black River and the Etta and Otto and Russell and James, they're not gonna be huge, they're not gonna be huge sellers. I don't believe, although who knows. But by, by my experience of reading and what becomes a bestseller, it would be highly unusual, I believe, for either one of those to be, to sort of seep into the popular consciousness because they're just not that kind of book. Um, and so the pressure on them, I think, is, uh, although writing a novel, I think, is the hardest thing, one of the hardest things that you could ever do. I mean, it's really hard, and you know, there's that difficulty of that. But they don't have to cope with the difficulty of like a bestseller, 
you know, with those high, high, high expectations. I mean, devoted readers of these books, and, and I think there will be many, are, are going to, you know, look forward to their next book and see what they're going to do. But there's not going to be that, I don't know, financial, you know, think of the famous bestsellers, you know, first novelists who, who couldn't write a second novel for whatever reason. Right. When, when, we, when we asked about who, first novels, when we asked you guys to think about first novels, um, and folks mentioned a couple, they said, oh, or the only novel. So I think, did, did you, Robin, did you mention To Kill a Mockingbird as a first novel, right? Did you, you yeah, read it, yeah? Harper Lee, and um, yeah, that's a fantastic novel. It's, it's become a classic, and I think it's used through schools, and it's such a, uh, I think it's a wonderful and timeless story about justice and... Um, and um, human suffering. <laughs> and, and, yet, and yet Harper Lee couldn't quite crank out the second one. Well, if she has, we've never seen it. It might be hidden somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like I guess we could, you could go the J.D. Salinger route and just, just not really talk about anything you're writing for 40 or 50 years. Right. right, and I mean, who knows? Maybe that's a better thing to do than to speak to everybody about oh your second novel you're working on your second novel all of that kind of thing but we've had no indication that she is working on her second novel yeah katie you you mentioned a, a, a more popular more first popular novel. yes it was called yoga bitch the author was suzanne morrison who is working on the second novel as far as i know but the thing that was great about that book, and it has a wonderful subtitle that I don't remember, that's something about conquering cynicism and cigarettes on the quest of enlightenment. I forget exactly. Um, but the thing that was great about that book was when it came out, I happened to be with my family all on vacation. And so I went to the store and I bought all of them a copy and I said, let's all read the same book together this week. And it was the only book I think I've ever seen my father sitting at a table laughing over uh, in my entire life. So that was a really wonderful experience. And that was her first book. It's very funny, cheeky, fun to read. Great book. You know, when you, when you, uh, you have to be trustworthy to go to a first novel, right? You have to trust that everybody involved knew what they were doing. Right. And I mean, and there are many first novels that I've been extremely, uh, that I've stopped reading because the writing wasn't very good or I wasn't interested in the way the author was presenting the material. Uh, I mean, just the normal things that, that would cause me not to read any kind of work, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, first or not. Yeah. But the beauty is we, we get to experience it before all that other stuff comes to play. Right. And with S.M. Hulse, um, the, the author of Black River, I didn't know until I finished the book whether the author was male or female, because the major character in that book is a man. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows? And then I discovered that, that she's a female. And so that would be one of the really interesting questions to ask her. Um. Well, I think one of the, the things to, to discuss or even consider, why does this person write that first novel? What, go, uh, what motivates them? Do we know what motivated Harper Lee to write her first novel? Has anybody ever asked her that question to know the answer? How about, how about the woman who wrote Yoga Bitch? Do you know? Why did she write her first novel? Uh, I think because she always fancied herself a novelist. Like, that's what she wanted to do. And she finally 
I don't know, believed in herself enough or took the time to finally do it. It took her seven years to get that book out because it was the first one, you know, and fo- so you have to find the agent. You got to do all that rigmarole. Um, but I think it was just ongoing passion. Saw herself as a writer inside. Yeah, I think the word passion probably fits there. This person has a passion they want to share with the rest of the world. I'm thinking of Oxygen by Carol Casella, who is a practicing anesthesiologist and lives on Bainbridge Island. And her first novel was about an incident that took place in the um, operating room and revolved around a mistake of anesthesiologist. And it may be that she just wanted... She'd experienced something like that and wanted the world... I I, I can only begin to speculate. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm sort of working on some fiction and and I'm doing it because... I'm having a harder and harder time the older I get finding books that I love. And so basically what I'm doing is just writing a novel that I really want to read. I I mean, and and I think you have to write for yourself because otherwise you're not being true to yourself. I mean, if you're writing something that you're not enjoying, that doesn't seem like it's very satisfying. Well, that sounds like the worst. That sounds like a job. Right. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I quit my job in order to write a novel and uh, threw, all, threw a career away in order to write a novel. So, yeah, I get the passion part of it and the desire to get something out after many years. My question would be, is it okay to just want to write one novel? Like, let's say To Kill a Mockingbird was all she ever wanted to do. And after that, she thought, I'll do something else now. Yes. Just have it on the bucket list. I want to write a book at some point. I think that's a great question. I mean, I think sometimes it's thrust on you because you write it and that's all you have to say. Um, And I think that Harper Lee left her, I I mean, she said everything that she had to say. She said it so well. It's such a wonderful book. What can you do after you write a book like To Kill a Mockingbird? It's what that astronaut, one of the American astronauts said. After he came back from the moon, he fell into this huge depression, and he thought, what left is there? Do Meriwether, uh, yeah, Meriwether Lewis, you know, was depressed his whole life after his great trek to to the West. One thing I learned about Harper Lee recently was that she actually was a research assistant for Truman Capote. Nancy may know more about this, but she helped him with In Cold Blood, and they had worked together. Some people say more than helped him with with In Cold Blood, right? All right, we'll be back to the show in a moment, but first, our sponsor, right? Remember I said we have sponsors. We're in... Wherein nobody, no money is exchanged, but since that stack of books is recorded at the Bryant Corner Cafe, it seems only right that we should at least ask them to be our sponsors. So, Chris Mosier, who is the, are you the owner or co-owner? How do you? I'm co-owner with Sarah Swanson. Yeah, because Sarah has yep. to get credit, even though you, you, you corralled her in. Credit. Yes, I do. You, you corralled her into it, and now she's here. All right, so Chris, what's your favorite thing to cook back there in your fine kitchen? Well, I'm the baker, and I do all the baking, but my favorite thing is our all-day bars. And it's a homemade energy bar that I've been making and selling for the last 20 years. Is that this right here? Yes, it is. Trail or almond cranberry? Or what, what got you making all-day bars? I was hired by a company that wanted to do a vegan fast food restaurant. And so they commissioned me to make all their desserts. And that was the one that I made and kept. Because? Because it's healthy, nutritious, and filling. And, and fun to make? They're not fun to make. 
they're a big pain to make. <laughs> but we make a lot of them. All right, all day bars in various flavors. All day bar trail, almond, cranberry, the original apricot walnut. And chocolate and coconut. Oh. Which is sold out at the moment. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for sponsoring us. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> all right, back to the show. I, I think Judy um, mentioned this earlier, but I'll, I'll bring it up because she's chewing some delicious um, croissant. Um, I, I, uh, the other famous first novel, The One and Done, is, of course, Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. And, and there's, you know, this huge book, and there's this great uh, hero that, you know, just fills the imagination, Rhett Butler, and... Um, Ashley, I mean, everything is in that book, and what can you do after that? Is that what she said? Has anybody ever talked to her? Do you know? No. No. I think those. I think the publishers were just like waiting for both, you know, to hear from both of those authors. Well, I read a first novel by a doctor out of out of Stanford this week, um, but he's a Ghanaian, Doctor Quay Quarty. And he wrote a book, a, a, a mystery, not a mystery, crime fiction, Wife of the Gods. And now he's written another one. So, But that first novel was fun because I wanted to know about Ghana. I wanted to see what a, what a guy would do with Ghana in the, in the crime fiction realm. So that was great. I would never have come to that if I had been afraid of first novelists. But I did trust that somebody had, had uh, published somebody who could write, and, and that's true. In thinking of the few first novels that come to my mind, people want to share an experience that was of deep interest to them. Uh, I'm sure that's what Harper Lee had in mind. I'm thinking of Cutting for Stone. Um, his whole experience, he wanted the world to know what life had been like back in Ethiopia, was it? Okay. Uh, that, one, that was very powerful because he, he a lot of passion uh, went into that. But I'm not sure that's the only reason. I, I think... I mean, one of the joys of writing, especially a novel, is that in a way it's like therapy. You can, better than therapy, I mean, you can explore different ways things might have happened, even if you're not writing about yourself, but just seeing for your character, see, using your characters to explore different paths. So I think a a lot of, a lot of people certainly do have this message that they're going to do in a novel, but I think novels, novels can be great without that huge message. I mean, I don't think Margaret Mitchell had a message. Well, she was a southerner, and, and, and of course, my, my suspicion is, or my thought is, the southerners post-Civil War had a lot of passion in them, and they wanted the world to, to share that. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I think you have to have passion, but I think partly it's... I mean, I would suspect that, that Margaret Mitchell, as many writers do, fell in love with her main male <laughs> character. I mean, you know, the way she created him. So I think there's that kind of passion as well. Dorothy Sayers fell in love with Lord Peter Whimsey and, in fact, had a hard time finding anyone to marry because she was so in love with this guy that she had created. Well, another question that just came to mind is, in this discussion is, are people actively afraid of reading new authors? Is that something that happens? Well, I, th- I think that, um, I think that, the, here's what I think is very ironic, is that 
is that if a first novel that's been published doesn't earn out its advance and doesn't have a, a high number of sales, that publishers are sometimes leery about publishing the, the author's second novel. So what we've seen in the last couple of years are supposed first novelists who have previously published books under another name who are publishing this book because you can market a first novelist by comparing it, oh, you know, um, if you liked uh, Gone with the Wind and Gone Girl, you'll like, you know, Gone Down the Street or something. I mean, it's, it's that kind of marketing that they do. But I think that, um, that readers on the other, I've never thought of this before, but I think readers on the other hand are really, are, you know, we tend to be creatures of habit and, and we'll pick up a book by the same author who we have enjoyed before, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And, and I think that's in the same way publishers, you know, build on that. Another David McCullough, you know, if you liked, um, uh, um, I don't know, I can't remember one of his books. Mornings on Horseback. If you like Mornings on Horseback, which is, I think, his best book, then you'll love blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the bully pulp. No, no, that's Doris Kearns going to Judy. (laughs) All right, well, new year, new novels by new writers. That's a great way to start. Thank you all.